This is the meeting after the meeting. None of our participants get paid, and we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. Enjoy the show. slid in here right right on time i was just thinking about i was like normally before we start the episode i hang out with chris and like we talk we haven't said a word to each other literally until right until right now like i was sitting down i was like i wanted to turn and be like how you doing man you have a good day and then i was just like i'll just ask him when you hit record fucking kids kids you gotta do what you you know it's busy it's busy so choices you know which i like this i like this vibe we got going on it's it's a it's a good vibe i think gabe needed this too he was he was uh came a little hot he just he had that you know gabe man i just i don't know what it is i love it we were talking about we were talking about this tv show and he came in and um and then he was like oh no we were talking about him going to japan and he was like i just Gabe, tell us, man. You, you just it's got a little tickets. Orient vibe right here. I'm yeah. bugging. He's bugging. He's bugging. I'm bugging. Because oh, no, you don't like flying. Oh, I don't like it. I'm doing a lot of it in yeah. six yeah, months. I mean, that's There's a 14-hour flight, bro. Nothing but time to think about it for the next yeah. five, six months. And I didn't realize that your girlfriend's family is part of her family's from ah, Japan. Yeah. So you're going to visit her. Correct. That's have, the main they, reason you're going. Have they never yes. met you? No. Oh. Meeting the family. How do you think I'll do, Chris? How do you think I'll fare? I think, I think you're a great guy, man, yeah. and uh, any woman would be lucky to be with you. <laughs> Dude, thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, that's, why are you that's, laughing, John? Well, it's just a big <laughs> yeah, statement coming from Chris. Chris is usually pretty critical I, of, of I, uh, people. I like Gabe a lot, and <laughs> I like you too, that, buddy. That, that's a that's, that's a, a small it's a glowing club. statement. It that's is a small club. You should go in there, super Gabe, small with, club with of people I like. Top-notch confidence going into this. I can count uh, on two yeah, hands. I'll, I'll tell his parents. Well, you guys might not know me, but my friend Chris, yeah. he thinks I'm yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Tell him to give me a call. Be like, he's he's a big <laughs> yeah. pod. He's a big podcaster. Yeah, tell him <laughs> to give me a call. I'll he's a, a felon, but he's a really cool <laughs> felon, and uh, you should. It wasn't really anything take violent. It was just it was drugs. It was actually a cool crime. <laughs> I'm so selling happiness. Or you could get him to record what he just said earlier. I think Gabe, you would. Any woman would be lucky to have you. Yeah, I'll cut that out of the recording. I'll give it to you. I would have loved that recording back when I was on the dating apps. I could have put that on like, you could, uh, the prompt. You hey. totally could have did that. Yeah. That'd be so creepy. Sign <laughs> gotten this zero fifty-year-old games. guy is signing off on me, dude. <laughs> yeah, I like Gabe a lot. <laughs> He's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's <Anyway>. really cool. <laughs> this is the point in the show where our our guest is like. <laughs> What the fuck did I sign up right. for? Let's, well, we should probably get into it. This is the meeting after the meeting. Meeting. I'm John. I'm Chris. Episode 52 in the house. 52 mm. weeks in a year. Podcasts once a week. That's a whole year of That's podcasting. Year. That's uh, pretty It's been impressive. longer, but that is a whole year. It has been longer yeah. since the original uh, X-Files. <laughs> what about the original <laughs> upload? What about the, the, the original? Upload? I don't know. The one that somebody requested. Yeah. Oh, there you one. go. There you go. <laughs> that one. The, the OG episode. So, uh, but we're, we're grateful to be here. Yeah. If you don't know, and this is your first episode tuning in, the meeting after the meeting is a podcast, which is broadcast live on Zoom every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Yes. We are, uh, we're excited here and, and we should get into it. We have a great guest for you all tonight. She's come 
from a pretty good, decent distance away, and it's always nice when, when our guests make it here safe yeah. and they're able to... I know that drive. That's it. Well, I was telling there's a meeting up there called The Hatchery that, yep. I used, that I had been to over the past year with my brother, and yep. I was like, man, this is a hike going up here. It's so a hike. She was coming against the stream down here. Let's welcome Carolyn S. from Timonium, Maryland. Yes. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, we're, we're glad to have you. How's it going? It's going great. Actually, I kind of flew here. Yeah, uh, the traffic was not bad. Really? Um, Until I, you got into town here. Yeah, the town was a little crazy. You know how it goes in Kensington. You got that, yeah. the, the split the right there. Light. The one Connecticut universe. Well, it's just, there's yep. just so much traffic. Right it's just there. hard to believe in when I'm in this neighborhood that DC is 10 minutes away. It's it just, literally it's, 10 minutes down the road. It feels like a, I've never been in this area ever. Yeah. I mean, it's 10 minutes away if you could fly there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, if you drive straight down Connecticut Avenue, no traffic, you will hit the Connecticut Circle. If you get circle. every single light, no yeah, way. Dude. I do. I get down there. I mean, I quick. guess if you consider DC. Chine just the line. line. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can That's true. I mean, if we're talking line. downtown, it's going to. I mean, take when you, you when you say DC, I think like the mall. I think oh, you no. have to hit the rotunda first. Like you get I, in the circle, agree. and then once you hit that circle, and then you're finally in like those like that. Part yeah, you're of in Chevy Chase DC. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I would say after Chevy Chase Club, when you get to that rotunda where you turn on mm -hmm. and then you have all those like mm -hmm. shops and yeah, stuff. That's DC to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, technically it is, but that's definitely DC. It feels like it, man. Woodley Park. You've been to Woodley Park. Where, so, so Carolyn, tell us where are you? Where <laughs> we are digress. You, from? you live in Timonium. Yes, I've lived in Timonium for over twenty years okay. in the Baltimore area my whole life. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah. So you're familiar, but you never really come down this way. I don't, and I've heard that so many times yeah. where people live in the Baltimore area and they just don't travel to DC. I get it. They don't travel to Philly. I mean, why would you? I mean, we're yeah. surrounded by so many fun places to yeah. go, and I just. I'm the same go. way. I, I never really went to, I wouldn't be in, yeah. the only reason I would be in Timonium for is for an AA meeting. Exactly. Other than that, I never would go to Timonium. So well, Is I it Timonium or Timonium? Timonium, Timonium. Yeah. Timonium. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. She's hiding it. She hid it. Don't hide yeah, it. Hon. You know, it might don't. come out, you know. I can't help let it. it. Let, it, let, it. Let, let, let that Baltimore out. <laughs> yeah, baby. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. So you've been in Timonium yes. your whole life. And you, well, why don't we do this? Let's start off with what we call the stats. The stats. Tell us a little bit about your basic AA info here. Sobriety date sponsor home group. Basic AA info is I have a sobriety date. It's November 2nd, 2015. Um, Old Lutherville, which is just south of Timonium. And then so you have Timonium, Old Lutherville, then mm. Towson and okay. so forth. Um, it's been my home group since I got sober in 2015. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Nice. I thought about, you know, switching it up, but every time I, it comes down to it, I'm just like, yeah. I don't want to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like family. I get that. Yeah. We've changed yeah, a couple sense. locations. We changed the location during COVID mm -hmm. one of the times. And um, we've been there now probably for about two years. Everybody stayed great. together. Yeah. Everybody stayed That's together. Good. But I do have to say coming out of Zoom, I mean, um, coming out of Zoom and COVID and all of that, it, it was like a whole different group of people. Yeah. If I just felt like I was, I was like, this is <laughs> you don't a whole tell new us town. Anything. We yeah. Get it. yeah. So a lot of the familiar faces in our home group, I got to tell you, they weren't there. Some mm. of them, the core group yeah. remained, yeah. but um, it's, it was just a, it's like a new batch of. Yeah. Newcomers coming in, yeah. Gabe, yeah. Gabe is a COVID baby. Oh wow! Oh They're yeah, dude. Quarantine before they let me into the the facility. Yeah, but he got sober on you got Zoom. Sober on Zoom. Yeah, that yeah, amazes me yeah. totally. And people that's that. not hard. We play video games. You just stay online, <laughs> stay in your room. It's not that hard. <laughs> you stay. You're not making the case up. for Zoom right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have stay to say, I don't up. miss it. I, I enjoy no. the in person for oh, sure. Yeah. I don't miss it at all. Yeah. 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 
But again, this is a Zoom meeting, so thank you guys for it logging is. on. It is, but it, we don't push it that hard. We don't. Barely anyone comes. We Most don't. people just listen to it as yeah, a podcast. For sure. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's digested as an audio yeah. form. For the again, to those on Zoom, we love that you're we here. We do though. love you. We thank do. We're glad so you're much. here. And is there yeah. anyone on? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah there is. There's probably one or two. There is. There's always a few on. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's always good to have an audience. It is. So, uh, all right. Well, let's, Carolyn, let's get into it. I, I, you told us a little bit about your story. There was some interesting stuff in there before we got on here. Why don't you dive right into it? Okay. Um, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. I came from an alcoholic home. Um, that has its own set of problems in and of itself. Mm. And then on top of that, being an alcoholic myself, it's been challenging. But my father um, did not get sober until he was 60. So my all of my um, childhood and formative years, he was out ripping and running. Um, I just grew up in a chaotic home. Uh, I, I preoccupied is the word that comes to mind. I kind of felt alone. Um, my mom was in survival mode. Um, my brother was a few years older than me doing his own thing. Um, and I don't even remember the first time I picked up a drink. I know that I was 12 years old, um, but I do remember um, what it did for me. Mm. It was a spirit. It was truly my first spiritual experience. Mm. I was um, born and raised in a Catholic family, and so I was very familiar with church. Mm. Um, but I had never had the weight lifted off my shoulders as I did when I picked up that first drink. And for mm. me, it was an explosion of extremes. Um, it was, you know, I was at 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, drinking my, from the liquor cabinet and pouring water or iced tea for the whiskey. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I haven't and, heard yeah, that one. My, <laughs> iced tea. And my mom coming home and saying, why solid. am I, why am I not catching a buzz? Yeah. And, you know, it, she finally, yeah. you know, but I did have some good times yeah. where, you know, where she was, didn't even notice. Um, but I would do that. And it, it was, I wouldn't just do that at, at our house. And we would go to different houses in the neighborhood and just raid the liquor cabinets. Mm. Um, there's a lot of latchkey kids. Um, in my neighborhood. Mm. So we had a lot of free time after school before the parents came home from mm. work and we just got into a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I, I didn't seek out to become an alcoholic, but I sought out to drink as much as possible because of the effect the that it had on me, the relief. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, it was, I, I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders. As I look back, I see that I didn't necessarily know that then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt a lot of responsibility. I've felt responsible for my dad and fearing for his life. I felt responsible for my mother trying to work two jobs um, and just miserable. Um, she had her own issues, her own demons with OCD. And so I just remember just kind of always trying to make sure that they're okay and, and, and feeling that powerlessness mm-hmm. to not be able to do that. How old were you? Um, when they divorced, I was in um, third grade. And when did you start drinking? Oh, sorry. I was 12. Sorry. 12, okay. When I picked up. That's yep. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get and that. A lot of responsibility. You yes. took it on your own shoulders. Yes. And, and the alcohol took just the, yeah, took, took the edge off. And, yeah. um, and so I had consequences pretty quickly because of the way I drank. Right. Um, I, at 15 years old, I was down Ocean City with my very best girlfriend and we were crossing Coastal Highway and I pushed her out in traffic and she got hit by a motorcycle. Thank God mm. she was sideswiped. Um, she was arrested because she ran from the police. Um, and that was my first bottom, whether I wanted it or not, mm-hmm. because that was that got my mother's attention. At this point, she had just remarried. Um, life was, you know, for her was settling down and becoming a little bit more. I'm trying to figure tolerable. out what she did to deserve 
getting pushed out into a motorcycle. You know what? I, first of all, I have to say, sadly. <laughs> I mean, you're probably just drunk, right? We were drunk. Yeah, so we were, we were, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I could that, see us like walking down. It's an intrusive <laughs> thought, man. It's that, an intrusive that thought. That whole incident when I did my timeline and, and when oh I went my into God. my IOP, we had to do a timeline. I, we called it, we nicknamed it the Thunderbird incident because that's what we drank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They, and they so we were just. Say we no were, more. I had to say call no my mom to say goodnight. Thunderbird. She thinks she thinks I'm at a friend's house. Yeah. And um, oh, she didn't know you were at the beach. Yeah, we were at the beach together. It was oh. our week at the beach down Did in Ocean she, Your City. mom didn't know you were at the beach, or she knew? No, she was oh, there. Okay. Oh, she, she was there. Okay. She just thought I was spending house. the night at a friend's Got house, you, but we would but just stay just, out all night. Out and so we had to go to a payphone, no cell phones, yeah, yeah, and that was yeah, yeah. across the street. So we were just in. I wonder. I have kids. I wonder if I'll believe that shit when they tell me, like. Oh, we're gonna go spend the night. I mean, I feel uh, like I'm gonna put a put a. What are those little trackers that Apple? What are those? Air tags. IPhones. Yeah. I'm gonna air tag the shit out of them, dude. Just find my iPhone. Well, by the time your kids are grown up, well, first off, they'll have their phones, and your your phone will, you know that. Like yeah, most parents probably, now, they'll probably be able to turn it off. Well, no, my, no, my, well, they know no. you turn it off. Yeah, if you you'll turn it off, them, you'll hey, know. Go, turn but it most, off. like, dude, I've got parents who are like, my kids driving. 20 over the speed limit right now in a car and they'll call mm -hmm. what are you doing that's what i'm talking about yeah, i mean all that <laughs> big brother big brother well careful sorry carolyn go ahead yes. i digress <laughs> so the thunderbird incident and so that was the straw that broke the camel's back thunderbird my mom amazing, was like i can't avoid this just as a side note yeah <laughs> My mother could not Cisco avoid Mad Dog. the obvious. <laughs> Boone's farm, don't forget. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Thunderbird was so the, okay. So that that was the first time you kind of yeah. really it was it became an issue. It was an issue, and it yeah. was where the, it was such an issue that when we got home from the beach, my mom's like, "You're seeing an addictions counselor." Period. Mm -hmm. I think her biggest fear was that she didn't want me to become like my dad. Yeah. Um, I come to this disease honestly. It was uh, all over his, which family is a fair point, mother's. by the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And so um, I went, you know, got picked up from high school every week and went and saw the addictions counselor and. I remember her trying to talk to me about my father and, and the, the hereditary part of the disease and the divorce and trying to get to the root of why I was drinking and, and going to the extremes to do it and the, um, the lies. And, you know, I couldn't understand why my parents' friends mm -hmm. didn't check on, up on them like yeah. my mother mm -hmm. did. And, um, and so I just wasn't ready. And I didn't know at yeah. that time that I was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I had the denial. I was ir irritable and discontented. Mm -hmm. um, I was angry. It was everybody else's fault. It was my mother's fault. I remember just feeling FOMO, like everybody's making the plans for the weekend, yeah. and here I, I am with the padlock on my Oof. door. I had that. I remember that too. <laughs> in high school, getting it, being in rehab, and like, and it was like homecoming or something. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> it's the party. <laughs> I was not ready. You didn't have and a date anyway, did you, yeah. John? I was going there to crash it. <laughs> man. You know, just <laughs> anyway, so I was pro probably at this point. Um, I'm in like eighth, ninth grade and that's pretty young. Yeah. Um, and so that's my, like I mentioned, my mom had remarried and mm -hmm. it was our first summer at the beach as a new family. And I had met my stepsister who was, um, a woman of faith or a young mm -hmm. woman of faith. And she was in town, going to Towson state and part of a group called young life. I don't know if any you've heard of them, but going to a church and she invited me to go with her. And I'm like anything to get away from my mother because oh, yeah. we were at such odds. And I was so pissed off at her. 
she was the problem and she was just didn't want me to die. Um, and so we had it. We just did not have a good relationship at this time, obviously. Yeah. And so I was like, I will do, I will go to an ice cream social. I don't care. Right. I'll just get me out of the house. I'll play volleyball. And that's what it was. An ice cream. social. Yeah. Like okay. that's the kind of social thing stuff. like on a Friday, yeah. Yeah. Friday night, like with normal, dance. like early sounds teens. Like AA. Sounds like AA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll go to the dance. <laughs> At the church. Mm. So that's what I did. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, things got better. You know, yeah. I put the drink down. Family dinner started to happen. We were adjusting to being a family. And um, I so loved. You, st- you, you quit drinking. You stopped I, drinking. You know what? I All I, of it. Pretty much. And you dove into the church. I dove into the church. Okay. Yes. I continued to go to church with her. It was really, truly my first. I didn't realize this. H- had you ever been, you, you mentioned being raised Catholic. Were yeah. you somebody who was like into that at a younger age and lost I it was, from your drinking? No, or did you never no, really? No, no, I was never into it, but yeah. I knew about it. Like it yeah. was one of those things where I knew all about the sacraments mm. and I would go to church because I had to go, but I would fall asleep. You know, it, I was just a, um, a Catholic oh, I know. in name. I'm Catholic. Yeah. I get it. Um, it was yeah. almost like it was like a, I'm born Catholic, like yeah. a, like a nationality. There's no connection to it. Yeah. You have no emotional connection none, to it. None whatsoever. Yeah. But I did. I saw something different in my ste- stepsister. Mm-hmm. And granted, I looked up to her. She was yeah. older than me mm-hmm. and she gave me attention. Um, and I love the people that she introduced me to. But I remember it was the first time in my life in mm-hmm. one of the church services pretty early on where I had the first thought of does God exist truly mm-hmm. and does mm. God care about me? Yeah. And, um, I, be, there was an openness there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I, I had nowhere else to go. Um, I was at a place where of, of anger and despair, I was, um, miserable and these people seemed to be happy and they had something to live for. Yeah. And I was really attracted to that. And um, and how old were you at this point? At this point, I'm like 14, 15. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so you're still so young. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm still young. Okay. And um, then my stepsister started to date this gentleman. They all worked at a restaurant, and he they went to a Bible school up in upstate New York. And mm-hmm. he was much more. This was a Presbyterian church we were going to, so it's sort of like just. Catholic light. Yeah, Catholic light. That's perfect. <laughs> um, but this guy was not Catholic. Catholic light. He yeah, was the, that's um, why AA means are all in like Presbyterian yeah, churches. Yeah. Unitarian, Presbyterian, yeah. Warner Mem- Memorial. <laughs> Just like chill. Yeah. He was um, very fire and brimstone, very black and white thinking, and very apocalyptic. Like we, he told Sandy and myself. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to use names. No, am you're, I? Fine. you're fine. You're fine. Um, no, no last names. Yeah. Last names. Okay. Um, that, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, the second coming of Christ was happening in 1989 and that happened to be the year I was graduating from high school. What year was, so this was like 86 or 87? Yes. Then? Yes. Okay. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is really something. Mm. And he, um, was one of those people. He was sort of like a Charles Manson <laughs> in the sense where he was <laughs> sort of charismatic <laughs> and really good looking. He had the long hair oh, and, um, he had a, he had I feel a, like this is going to take a bad turn. No, any no, no. Moment. It, no. I no. promise. This is, this is, <laughs> It's a good story. This is good. This is good stuff so, right here. So he, but he had just a charisma to him, yeah, and right. it and it really made us feel like we were a part of something that was cutting edge. Mm. It was Christianity on steroids, essentially. And okay. so, did you kind of? So, did you stop going to the the Presbyterian? Yes. And you were like, you guys are lose. You guys. Yes. Did, were, did you With look down on that? Did you look down air. on them at that point? Yes. Like you guys are going to die. We were yeah. very elitist. It's okay. very alcoholic too. Yeah. By yes. The way. That's yeah. what I'm. 
so it appreciate is. you saying that. Great segue. Yeah. Because what I began to do is treat this newfound religion and yeah. way of life much like mm. I did my alcohol. Yeah. I knew exactly what they wanted me to do. Yeah. And I did it and I got the pat on the back and you're a good girl. And a lot of the things that I was missing in my family of origin, yeah. these people, because he introduced us, of course, mm -hmm. to other people that shared the same thinking and way of uh, way of faith. Um, it, um, it, it, I was everything I wanted. I wanted to have a sense of belonging. Mm. Um, they, I was very young and these people were in their mid twenties. So yeah. they parented me. Yeah. Um, they gave me something to be a part of and, you know, and alcohol, I mean, they would, they would tell me, we'll not touch these lips, yeah. you know? And so everything, not just alcohol, mm -hmm. but smoking, going out, you know, premarital sex, everything was changed for me. It was like the big bang for mm -hmm. me. Wow. Um, and of course my mother at first was like, yay, she's not going to die. Yeah. Um, but she started to see, you know, okay, this is, this is a little much. Yeah. You don't have to be sitting here on Friday nights, reading your Bible in your bedroom. Yeah. You're going over these people's houses. You're telling me you're not going to college. Like all of these things. Mm -hmm. She's like, Whoa. Yeah. What were your thoughts around the, uh, I've always find this interesting with the just real quickly, the end of the, you know, the world's going to end mm -hmm. where you're like, why should I finish? Like what's. Well, I went to my nun, the nuns. I went to a Catholic high school, okay. my sister Marie Charles. And she said to me, why are you taking business English, Carolyn? Yeah. And I said, cause I don't want to write a term paper. I, w I didn't take British lit. Because you had to write a term paper. I'm thinking, why am I going to do that if Jesus is coming back? There's no point. Seriously, that was you, that was my thinking, and I was you were all in on the. I was Jesus all in. Back. So what I went mind? from what's that my, other religion that they think like the God's going to come down in a spaceship? What's that one? Scientology. So oh, yeah, this, like is that. Not, this is not. This yeah. is not that. This is more grassroots different. hippie yeah. kind of approach. Yeah, very much against organized religion. So, it's all about like we got to just go back to the Bible and mm. you know wear sandals and that kind of thing. Because <laughs> you wear sandals just to paint a there? picture. Right, so, so okay. So, just for for the sake of time, just I'm assuming that all came to an end. It probably it sounds like it didn't. It did. It went on for a very long time. I okay. ended up um, after I graduated from high school. My mother and my relationship got so tensed over this, and there was it was a tenseness between my stepfather and my stepsister. Mm -hmm. And basically, I said, "I'm out of here." I gave my mother one week's notice. I left. She had no idea where I was for ten years. Good wow. Lord. And and alcohol was not a part of my story at that point. But I will say this, what happened was, is there's anytime you have a crazy, you know, there's so many things on Netflix and so forth, with oh, yeah. like cults and so forth oh, yeah. and, and, and the vulnerability of the people that they kind of attract. And, mm -hmm. you know, here I am, like I'm, I'm in like high school going into college years and, you know, waiting for the skies to part, you know, trying to figure out what do I want to do for my career. And I started to see some things happen. Um, to other people in the group. And then stuff started to happen to me. There was a lot of, you know, spiritual abuse is a big part of it. That's probably um, the foundation of all the abuse that happened. Um, it was an abuse of power. Um, there was sexual abuse that I underwent from the leader of the group. Um, and it was spiritualized and we had to cast out the devil and it was get on our knees and pray. Please don't tell my wife kind of thing. Um, and I didn't know what to do because at this point I was so isolated and still so very young mm. um, that I didn't have the resources around me to turn to for support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people, I did have family members, um, you know, on the outside that were trying to get in, but I was not having it at all. I, 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 you couldn't have tell, told me mm. uh, that that black wall was red. If it, I, I, there was yeah. no talking to me. 
And so essentially what happened was, is it got so bad because I didn't know how to process the abuse that was going on around me because yeah. if it's trauma, it's trauma, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a matter of time. I, I was randomly, yeah, outside of a liquor store and I was getting ready to go to one yeah. of our Bible studies. And I said, I'm just going to get a six pack of beer. And I don't remember at this time, I do want to say back up just a second, one of the things about this cult and cults that I've um, read about is the rules kind of change and suit the leadership as they go mm. along in their life. And I think the fact that Jesus did not return and, you know, the leaders and so forth started to have children, they had responsibility and had to buy houses and they kind of got to change the narrative. They changed the narrative and they kind <laughs> well, of morphed. He's not coming yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe and, next year. Yeah, getting houses and all this stuff. And here I am, I'm with them and I'm like, okay. When is it going to be my house? When is it going to be my turn? Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that happened was, is as they started to acclimate more to worldliness, one of the things was drinking. And it started out with Behringer white wine at like dinner. Um, I ended up moving in with my stepsister and my brother-in-law and lived with them for they asked me to come and live with them. And I gave up my apartment and I did that. And that's where we like started to have wine with dinner. It was introduced. So when I was, you know, carrying the load, I call it, outside of that liquor store, right before I went into the Bible study, I had, I don't even drink beer, but I, I gunned, man, six beers yeah. through the bottles in the trunk. And I said to myself, I, I remember these thoughts of, if I, I may have even said it out loud, I can do life and I can hold on to these secrets. I can look like I'm okay with God because I didn't know how to be authentic right. anyway, mm -hmm. right? Because they were my God. As long as I drink, I can do this. Oh, and so... Yeah. You know, I didn't even, didn't even, even though I knew drunkenness was a sin and forbidden, like I didn't even, it didn't, as long as I was doing it in secret and nobody knew about it, it wasn't really happening. Yeah. That was my mentality. Yeah. And it's a progressive disease. So over time, they started to drink more, right? I started to drink more, more. I drank a lot alone. My second Secretly time around, yes, it, it was yeah. medicinal for yeah, me yeah. the second time around. It was a way for me to split off. And to cope. Yeah. Drinking to preserve your sanity. Exactly. Like I, I often share in meetings that if it wasn't for alcohol, it saved my life, I think, at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was so disillusioned, but yet feeling so aligned with them. And they were my world. Mm -hmm. And I had made so many life choices around their expectations of me um, that I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to... What do you say to people that say that AA is a cult? Are you like, uh, I, I know, laugh. I know what a cult is. Exactly. Shut the hell up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and I, and it's, it's ironic to me when I did get sober and I don't want to move too far ahead if you want to talk a little bit more about some other things. But when I did get sober and I started to go to meetings, I'm thinking to myself, how ironic, you know, that God, that, that I have this opportunity now to be with a group of people right? That are the exact opposite of what I experienced with the controlled mind games and the, the actions that I had to take that they wanted me to do. And if I didn't do it, I would get in trouble. Like the freedom that Alcoholics Anonymous gave me mm -hmm. to not only um, make a mistake, yeah. keep coming back, but to find my own conception. version of conception of okay. a higher power. And, uh, it's, it's almost like my higher power came through the back door of my heart with such humility and understanding and tenderness. Mm. Um, and of course it has changed and evolved over these eight years being sober. Um, but, uh, it was tough. It was, it was really tough coming Cause in. on the outside, 
some of the, if, if to an outside observer, mm-hmm. there can be some similarities. I mean, obviously. Yeah, there can. And they're also, look, but that's not, just on I, don't, the outside. I also don't yes. think that we would sit here and say that there haven't been some stuff. Or, there hasn't been some stuff that's happened yeah. that wouldn't be. Would be like that's not right, you know what I yeah. mean? Like we don't have to get it. There's charlatans everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> like there, that like I I can see similarities yeah. that have happened where people y- you can get under that impression. So one hundred percent, you know, and stuff has happened. So, but you know, from what you were talking about, mm-hmm. it's I I can't even imagine. You know, I mean that's I another imagine. level. Yeah, I can't. That's imagine, another level. You know? Yeah, right, it's, so. that's top down. <clears throat> So you, okay, so you are You're drinking again, I'm drinking yeah. again. A lot of it is by myself. Yeah. Um, of, of course it was acceptable to drink now at family occasions. You have to remember during this time, um, I'm in my late twenties now, my father's just gotten sober. So he's an Alcoholics Anonymous, finally. Oh, wow. And he actually got sober in it. Yeah. It's never too late. Yeah. Never yeah. too late. And you he said he was sober. old. He was like 60. 60. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had, there was a reconciliation that took place between not just my mother and myself, Ooh. but Sandy and my brother-in-law mm-hmm. and um, her father. And like, as a family, we all kind of came together. Um, my mom actually got lung cancer and um, we all had to kind of care for her in that way. And so there was, a, there was some really sweet things that happened in that time. I mean, I'm so grateful that my alcoholism had not been so progressed that, you know, I had a blackout during the times where she needed me to care for her. But so there was a reconciliation that came to pass. Um, but I, what's basically happened with me is I, you know, became more miserable and more miserable, not just with, you know, my drinking and the dependency on alcohol, but my eyes started to become open of like things that were going on around me. And all of the years that I had, I felt like for a very long time, I wasted um, that I never really kind of experienced the things that yeah. uh, that normal people, and you know that kind of threw me into my drinking. So my my life experience and my alcoholism were just feeding off of You're each like other. You're like trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, like all those years you weren't drinking, mm-hmm. you were trying to make up for it. The, the other side of that is there's, I mean, you can only, I mean, trying to out drink your past in some of that stuff that happened to you is is a dicey game, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you know when. Alcohol never stopped working for me, but I understand why people say alcohol stopped working for right. me because I know what they're saying. They're mm-hmm. saying that like, I just couldn't shut my head up even though I was totally drunk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I mean, I get it. I mean, that you, it, it's got an expiration date to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it became Groundhog Day for me. You yeah. know, um, I would for probably the last seven years of my drinking was me coming home from work every mm-hmm. night saying, opening the fridge and saying, I'm, I'm, Not, I'm only going to have yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I'm only going to have one. And then <laughs> drinking to the point of blackout. What was your drink? Oh, vodka. Cosmos. Vodka. Yeah. I yeah, loved a good Cosmo. Just, but then it just became. Were you a top <laughs> shelf or were you like a plastic half gallon? You know what? I was mid I was smearing mid, off. Smearing so off. my, okay. my fifth yeah. of vodka, Middle I would of drink a, um, of three quarters of a fifth a night towards the end. Yes. And it was $23 a pop. Yeah. And I think to myself, I know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> three quarters of a, you must have a good job. You must have a good job. But that's, I mean, you got to oh, think that's a, that's a lot of vodka. To drink a lot it was right a now. lot. Of, I, I had a huge it. tolerance I'm, though. Yeah, for, I, I prided yeah. myself yeah. on that for yeah. a long time. I didn't know that it's like one of the, um, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, the sign, major yes, sign yeah, that, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. that you could be an alcoholic. Yeah. So, um, I got a DUI. I had to get an interlock in my car. Oh, um, try hiding that from the Bible study. Um, but it kind of that it's the not Bible, a good look. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Bible study <laughs> fell apart 
Um, but there was still this connection. Why it was so hard for me to kind of just break away. I tried to get into psychotherapy around the stuff that happened in the, in the, especially in the, um, with the abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it helped somewhat, but as long as I was going drinking, it, it sabotaged yeah, only it. only so much you can do. I, yeah, yeah. Only so much. I, I never went from here, from my head to my heart. Mm. Um, you gotta, and, you, you know, gotta be cognizant for cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes, hey, there you go. Wow, Gabe, I like it. Very good, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, and so. <laughs> this is a little play on words. words, cognizant. <laughs> it's a tongue twister right there. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So you, okay, so, so it's yeah. okay. No, so you, so you're, uh, you're, you're drinking vodka every night. You know, pretty much at this point, you're like something's not right. I did, yeah. and I started to fall apart. Basically, like at family functions, I tried to like create space between my sister and my brother-in-law, trying to like fight for my life and become this person that I always wanted to Mm. be and, you know, trying to go to therapy and deal with that. Then like trying to get involved in like a church and, and, and it it just was, um, it's like, it was like one step, two steps forward, five Mm -hmm. steps back. Like Like, no matter what, exactly. And it got to the point where I was just having meltdowns. Um, I became very depressed um, I became dependent where I had to drink in the morning. And I profoundly remember, I can close my eyes and picture it when I would wake up in the morning, my last six months of drinking, um, I could not drive or even put makeup on or get dressed mm. until I had a bottle of wine. Mm. And that didn't seem as bad as vodka. Yeah. That's why I did that. And I had to do that to feel just normal. I didn't even feel drunk. Yeah. It was so I could stop sweating. Mm-hmm. I could stop shaking and the nausea would go away. I love drinking in and the morning. Th- yeah. Of course, oh, I didn't have a really? job to go to. But. <laughs> and I would sit there. I, <laughs> I would sit there and just chain smoke and drink wine. Yeah. And I remember th- having these moments of clarity as I'm doing that, like, this miserable, like, and I could actually feel the presence of God on the outside of like this world that I had just closed myself into Mm -hmm. in in isolation. And I, 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 I just felt, I can't tell you how the profound hopelessness that I felt inside. Mm. But the thing about it is, you know, I was so afraid to admit that I was like my father, that I was an alcoholic because I was taught, it was ingrained in me that alcoholism is not a mor- it's a it's it's a moral failing. It's si- drunkenness is a sin, mm-hmm. and so it was this not just you know disappointing myself. Gosh, I, shucks, I'm an alcoholic. Like it was like I am failing God. I'm mm-hmm. fail. I was a failure. Yeah, and so I, I tried so hard to control it. I tried so hard, you know, not to overdo it, and I had no idea that I had lost the power of choice. Mm. I really did. Um, and it got to the point where I um, left the job I was at for 15 years to go work for Brown Foreman, um, which is a liquor dis- distributor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and their flagship liquor is right um, Jack Daniels. So mm. I got a big welcome basket and I, I told myself I was an inside sales <laughs> and I told myself I am not going to drink on the job because everybody did. Yeah. It was, we had a liquor cabinet liquor, and um, you know, you're working for a and, liquor company. You know, and my poor sweet father, when I told him I was leaving, I got this big promotion. And I told him where I was going. He's like, Oh Lord, please don't let my daughter die. It was God's sense of humor. I made it a couple months. Oh yeah. You were, I was that drinking on the job bar, and you? sleeping under my desk and they came in <laughs> And they found me. And then two days later, probably happens. In all, the all time fairness, later. what yeah. did they expect? <laughs> exactly. 
Two days later, they called me in H. They called HR in and they asked me to leave. And they said it was due to my job performance, which I know it probably was, <laughs> but I think it had to do with sleeping under the desk just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So just a little bit. Let, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try to get you some help or something. Like that. <laughs> what well, was only there for two months? And yeah. they, remember, it's Brown Foreman. They're yeah. So let's, for the sake of time, let's real quickly before okay. we move on to our topic. Was this the like? Was this that wake yes. up moment where you got so? And at this yes. point, yes, I ended up in the hospital went. because okay. I tried binge drinking. I was yeah. a maintenance drinker, so I yeah. try binge. I'll binge. Yeah, and I did, and I got very sick where I couldn't keep the alcohol down without mm-hmm. vomiting and just that awful place. And ended up in the hospital for almost a week because of my liver enzymes. Wow. And my Ooh. father showed up for me every day in the mm-hmm. hospital. And he just said to me, um, cause I was like, dad, you have no idea what I'm, I knew the load I was carrying. Yeah. I knew yeah. that my alcoholism was more than just the drink that I, it was, it was these relationships. It was the secrets that yeah. I was carrying. It was yeah. the toxic toxicity in my life. And I knew that if I was going to put the drink down, that I was going to have to change people, places and things and let the chips fall. Mm. And my father knew that I was carrying a load and he just said to me, Carolyn, the only thing you have to worry about today is not taking a drink and everything else can, will work itself out. And that was heaven to me because I, I, I didn't realize I needed to hear those words. And, and they fell on my heart in such a, a way where I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been tr- trying to spin all of these plates, trying to be normal and hold it all together. All I have to do is not drink. Like that was like, okay. Yeah. I'll do it. Tell yeah. me what to do. Yeah. And so I was really at that jumping off point. Yeah. And, and so I, you do. Yeah. I, I so it was dove, your dad. Man, I it was your dad. In. It was you. my dad. He saved my life. Absolutely. One away. alcoholic talking to another. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Our topic is, it takes us a little bit back away from sobriety here, but but I'm going to read it. It says, suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. And if, you are, if you're a big book person, you know the story of Jim. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of my favorites because I relate to the the you know, you want to call it the insanity, I guess, of alcoholism that this time it's going to be different or whatever that on a full stomach, I, I, I would probably, you know, making it to like your story of getting home every night and saying, you're only going to have one drink, mm. one Cosmo or whatever tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's never for people like me, it's just never one, you know, even if I, even if I promise everybody, it's going to be one and I mean it within me. Cause I, I messed up last night or I, you know, I, I don't want to go back to jail or I just got a DWI or I just got off probation or whatever the reason is I have one and something happens. Mm-hmm. And I generally, we, we taught you here at all the time. We changed our mind. I thought I just changed my mind and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have one more. Who has mm-hmm. one drink? You always have to hold something in your hand or mm-hmm. I'll change tomorrow. That was probably my favorite. Um, so the story of Jim, Chris, what, what, uh, do you remember the first time you read this? Do you relate to this? I do in a way. I mean, I, it, it is a little, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, I took every drink I, every drink I took, I wanted, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, trying to force myself not to drink and, you know, I realized this much later on, you know, right before I got incarcerated this last time where I was like, 
I was drinking to preserve my sanity and I could not stop, you know? So it was like the last six months of my drinking, really, I was like, okay, this is not normal. You know what I mean? And even then I didn't care, you know what I mean? So, but you know, there was no question in my mind that like, you know, as soon as I drink, not only am I going to not stop drinking, but I'm going to be doing all kinds of other things, you know? Mm. And those are the things that really scared me, you Mm. know what I mean? And, uh, those are things that had consequences wrapped up in them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I relate to this. I mean, when I hear that, I'm like, God, this guy's crazy, but that's the thing. That's how we are. We're insane. That's Mm. the insanity, you know? And you say it all the time. If, if the reason we're still in AA, if we're, if we're here for any reason at all, it's because of that second step, you know, mm, because of the insanity. Part of the first, yeah, well, that's exactly Because insanity. it can yeah. return, and I've seen it return for people yeah. that have been close to me, and it's, you know, it's really rolling the dice. Sometimes they're okay, and sometimes they're dead. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's really, it's really dicey, man, to play around with that. How about you, Carolyn? What that, that, you know, that experience of going home and saying you're only going to have one what was that like? And I also wanted to ask you, and just we'll, we'll, I'll have you talk about it now, but describe that alcoholic loneliness that, that mm. you know, because I, I know what you were talking about, that that isolation, drinking yes. alone, and the you just know, and especially with everything that happened to you and what you talked about, like I'm somebody who beats myself over the head with, mm-hmm. you know, the guilt. I'm Irish Catholic. I've, I'm filled with guilt. I don't even know why, mm-hmm. you know, and so <laughs> it's that, that isolated loneliness that mm. comes. What was that like when you were like, I'm only going to have one tonight, right. and then you were like, I think more than anything, our mind was like, no, you're not, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even if we weren't conscious <laughs> of it, I got different no, plans you're for not. You. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not, we're not dealing with this anymore. Today. Yeah, I, I have to back up a minute because I remember um, when I would be driving home to, before I have that mm-hmm. first drink and just, I had it, that was probably the most exciting part of my day. Mm. Just the anticipation the anticip- yeah. of that's what I'm going to be able to do, the relief that was coming. Mm-hmm. And I um, was always had the intention when I drank um, just to get to that place where I d- take the edge off. Yep. Like I didn't want to move past that. Yeah. I didn't understand, but I didn't understand the loss of powerlessness and I had no control. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when that, in that story, when it's talking about like pouring the whiskey and the milk, I'm thinking that's the word that comes to mind for me is you're trying to control it. Yeah. You're trying there to you make go. it not so bad, mm-hmm. more palatable. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to have as an effect on me if I mix it with the drink. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes I would be like, you know, I'm just going to drink wine tonight or I'm just going to drink what I have left. I yeah. won't go and have my reserve like I normally do. So I won't overdo it. Yeah. Um, and 99% of the time, if I would go out to the liquor store more. and get more, yeah. you know, um, I, I was always trying to control it. I never wanted to have the breakdowns. I never wanted to get to the place because I would feel so happy at first. Yeah. And then I would just get to that place where, you know, I would end up texting people, crying on the phone to them, um, not remembering uh, what I said or what I did and desperately, desperately wanting relief. And the only relief that I could get when I drank was to yell was to cry, was to um, somehow express the, the utter shame mm-hmm. and, and, and misery that I was feeling. Yeah. Um, when I was sober, I was just recovering all the time from the drink, you yeah. know? And then I'd have that fantasy on the way home to get that relief. I'd have like 10 minutes of feeling good, you know? And then, and, then, just, yeah. and then it was yeah. miserable again. Yeah. And the regret was horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, no, that was perfect. Really good it's explanation great description. of that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I think we're all three here very grateful for, mm. very grateful that, that we found AA because we don't have to feel like that anymore. Absolutely. I don't go through that progression uh, of emotions on a daily basis anymore. Mm. You know? I don't know how I went to work every day hungover. Yeah. Neither do I. I Neither really do I. don't know how I, <laughs> I how I did that. I'm, I'm a, I was kind of impressive, actually. I'm but. always in awe of people that like, like, they're like function. I guess they call them functional drink. I just said, I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? Especially at high levels, people who function yeah. at high yeah. levels drunk. Like I was like a helper. I was just like, hand me a hammer. Sure. You know, but some people were out there making big decisions. We had lawyers, ju- you Judges. know, judge. I mean, I don't know if, I don't think judge when they're drunk, but lawyer. Uh, you never know. <laughs> you never, they're not. out there. So they're out there. They're out there. All right. Let's move on. Doctors. To the next. Oh my God. Uh, there's doctor. I mean, Dr. Bob. So let's, yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to the next part of our show here. We call it the newcomer tip of the week. We are on the last step of our newcomer view. And actually just so everybody knows, I've got another, another 12 week newcomer tip coming up after this oh, so yeah. it's going to be it's gonna no, it's going to be something well, wait and see I'll, you know tune in next week and you'll find it. out believe me it's not how going to be what you think it's going to be yeah yeah it's going to be the, no it's going to be something more digestible don't worry right. it's not going to be the traditions right. it's not going to be the traditions it's going to be something cool <laughs> all right we're on step 12 <laughs> having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these steps we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs and again if you're new out there welcome if this is if you're listening to this and you're new to alcoholics anonymous welcome uh we hope you get a sponsor we hope you jump in and, and try this thing and what we do with this segment is we just try to present maybe some help in the form of what we thought about the topic and this week at step 12 when we were new and I'll start out by saying I really didn't think it very much of it at all. <laughs> um, I think we're getting to a point here where yeah. we're up in these higher steps where it was like when I was new, I didn't yeah. give a shit about yeah. step 12. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't think about it at all. Yeah. However, when I eventually did look at it and it was kind of presented to me, um, I had a very limited view. Yeah, I would say, I don't, I, I think that if you're new, the thing that I would share in my experience is that the best way for me to understand these steps better was just to keep going to meetings, to talk to other members who have experience and just to kind of just sit in it, like marinate in it, yeah. let it kind of come to you. Cause I, you know, Kellen, I'm sure you were in this too. I was really thawing out when I got sober. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of, I had been running for years and I had been, uh, I was out there, mm-hmm. you know? And so it took me some time to kind of thaw out. And so when I think of step 12 and I, I look at it and I'm like, it's almost like a different language. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Spiritual awakening as a result of taking these steps. It's like a joke, you know? Yeah, I mean, how could you even understand that? When you doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense. It was long. I was like, this is crazy. Practicing principles in all my affairs. What are my affairs? I don't even know what yeah. you're talking about. You know? I mean, the truth is when you knew you're the benefactor of step 12, mostly, exactly. I mean, if you have part, a sponsor, yeah and you're going to meetings and they're like, hey, why don't you help us set up the chairs? I mean, you, you, you are, I mean, you, you're getting sort of like, in, you're, you're getting sort of engaged in that, you know, that the idea and the tradition of that of yes. the 12 step, you know what I mean? But you're not like understanding it to this degree. But there was a lot of people that reached out to me, including my sponsor, but not just my sponsor, that really helped me. Yes. No, and they had no angle. And trust me, yeah. I was a bum. Yeah. Coming out yeah. of the pre-release center, I had no money. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm. They, there was nothing to get from me. I didn't have anything. <laughs> I'll give a shout you know out to Nate T. Nate T, dude. Yeah. That guy. There's God, always somebody. Call me you know? every day. I hated talking to him on the phone, man. <laughs> he wouldn't say anything. He would oh, just that's say, rough. hey. That's rough. And I'll just be like, hey. Hey. And then he would just be like, <laughs> But you know what, man? That's cool. You know, I mean, people are reaching out. No, then they I got no talking. angle. Yeah, they got no angle, and they just want you to have a good life and stay sober. And I, I mean, you know, so I'm, I, you know, was the benefactor of, I like uh, of the twelve step. If you're new, you're yeah. the benefactor more than anything yeah. in this step. You don't got to worry about doing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, right not now. right away. Not right, right away. But you, if, if you're helping set up a meeting, you're you're engaged well, in that. Exactly. And yeah. I, I always told everybody because that's helping another alcoholic. Yeah. You and I did that treatment center together for a long time. You're making coffee, you're shaking hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, that all of that adds to the experience that a newcomer's going to have when they walk in that door. And trying to carry, setting up to carry the message, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So how about you, Karen? What was your experience with this when you were new? Well, I got to tell you, I have a kind of a rare experience. I don't know. Tell it, it, please. We we need rare on here. We're so like um, sometimes. My very first AA meeting was in a, it's, it was on Shepherd Pratt's campus, Agape. I don't know if you've heard of that meeting, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I got out of um, the hospital on a Thursday and I went to my first meeting on a Friday and I went with my very best friend who I pushed out in traffic. Nice. Yeah. Who was sober. And, um, she was sober. No, yeah, she. Got, we got sober yeah, within so, a month of each other. Did you that's make like, amends to her? That's like a whole that. other podcast. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. Great. So I, I mean, I was so like, I, I'm like, we're going to a meeting. We're sober. Yeah. You know, I was very much, very much like my conversion of faith, mm-hmm. which yeah, was, you, you know, big. You went bang. all in. I was all in. It's just you who jumped. I am, yeah. right? I was yeah. all in. Yeah. And I, I didn't understand anything, but mm-hmm. I, you know, they asked me if there was any, you know, anybody new to this AA or with the meeting. And I said, hello, I'm Carolyn Stopford. I'm an alcoholic <laughs> and thank you for having me. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Like I st- she still in. gives me wow. a hard time about that it. because she was the opposite. Like, don't talk to me. Don't ask me yeah, for my yeah, phone yeah, number. Which yeah. is normally, I think the case. Is she yes. still sober? Yes. Wow. And I was like, Miss the mayor of AA. We got to get her to get the other side of the story. <laughs> yeah, the one who was <laughs> oh, pushed yes. down. Oh, yes. I'm <laughs> no. serious. You might no, want to consider great. having yeah, us yeah. both talk. I mean, it's phenomenal. We have a phenomenal um, story together. It's really oh. beautiful. But um, I was like, AA rocks. Like, I'm like, was go to 20 meetings a week. I would pick up newcomers and, nice. you know, I want to sponsor women, you know, yeah, all that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, I had no idea what, it, you know, when, you know, they call it the pink cloud. And I'm like, I, I, what do you mean a pink cloud? I'm always going to be like this, you know, well, not yeah, understanding yeah, yeah. that life will come at me on its own sure. terms. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn how to navigate that. Yeah. But I didn't understand practicing these principles in all my affairs. Mm. Like that, that just does not come by Oz. That comes from working, actually working the steps, doing a proper fourth and fifth step. Yeah, you got to be a different person. Yeah, you have to have that spiritual awakening. I really, truly believe that to authentically practice these principles and all our And the steps do that to you. Mm -hmm. You cannot, I cannot change myself. I cannot wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? I'm going to be just a good guy today. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to yell at my wife. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be a fucking good Dude, yeah, no chance. I have no chance in doing that. No you should have moral and philosophical co- convictions galore. Yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. I mean, That's I've had I dry cleaning sitting in the back of my car for like a month. I can't even do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is twenty some years so yeah. No. yeah. All right, mm. it's bad. Let Let's move on to uh, to our our the next part of our show here. This is uh, we've done this before. 
And I brought it back. <laughs> I brought it back because first off, I thought it was hilarious. And, and this, and I'll tell you what, this one's just as good. It's called Can Chat GPT Rewrite Me? Yes. So this is the way this is going to go. If you if you aren't familiar, ChatGPT is an AI, and you can basically ask it questions. It helps with who doesn't it, know what ChatGPT is. A now? lot of Carolyn said she wasn't sure what ChatGPT is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's the reality. I'm of it. old though. Gabe uses it. Can use it for his job. Chris can use it for his job. I use it to rewrite the <laughs> AA literature <laughs> because if you don't know, they're in the process of rewriting yeah. the book Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. into plain language. And so what we ask ChatGPT is to rewrite little parts of the book in other parts of the AA literature in a more modern yeah. format yeah. using modern slang. Like, like, like TikTok slang. Exactly. So let's, let's go to the first one here. Let's pull it up here. This is this is the first AA reading. You'll recognize it. It's from the doctor's opinion. I'm going to read it. Actually, no. Chris, why don't you read it? Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Mm. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. My favorite line. I'm, I can't it's wait to see what you One of my favorites. So let's see. So so this is old school. Remember book written in the 30s, yeah. you know, written by a yeah. doctor. You know, this is like really yeah. medical, medical jargon. Yeah. We want people to relate in yeah. 2024, 2024, the games yeah. of the world. Yeah, so, the Gabe, why don't you read the new version yeah. that ChatGPT came <laughs> up with? <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, people drink because they're vibing with the alcohol high, you know? <laughs> it's like this elusive feeling that even though they get it's not cool for them, they kind of lose track of what's real and what's fake after a while. <laughs> to them, the party cool. life seems like the only way to roll. They're always on edge, annoyed, and never satisfied unless they can catch that chill vibe again. <laughs> The one that hits instantly after throwing back a few, watching others do the same without a care in the world. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I really like that. I don't have to figure out, you know, I don't have to figure out anything. I really, I get that. What's taking GSO so long? I don't know. I mean, hey, I don't know why they haven't contacted us, honestly. I mean, who needs a committee to rewrite this thing? (laughs) You know, we got to. So, all right, let's, let's go on to the next, the next one here. And this was actually one I always wanted to do. This is from Bill. This is straight out of Bill's this is story. Old school right here. This is I'm gonna read this one, and and Carolyn, we're gonna have you read the, uh, the the new one. Okay. So war fever ran high in the New England town to which we knew young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned, and we were flattered when the first citizens took us to their homes, making us feel heroic. Here was love, applause, war, moments sublime with intervals hilarious. I was part of life at last, and in the midst of the excitement, I discovered. I forgot the strong warnings and the prejudices of my people concerning drink. In time, we sailed for over there. I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. We landed in England. I visited the Winchester Cathedral. Much moved, I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a dog roll on an old tombstone. (laughs) Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is near forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. Ominous warning, which I failed to heat. Oh my God. This needs rewriting. 
Car- and and Carolyn, why don't you read for us if you can up okay. there the new version? Okay. Man, the hype for going to war was off the charts in the New England town where us new young officers from Plattsburgh got assigned. We felt like total rock stars when the first citizens invited us to their homes, treating us treating us like heroes. Love, cheers, and war. Life was epic with crazy moments and nonstop fun. I was finally living, and in the midst of all the excitement, I stumbled upon booze. I totally forgot about the serious warnings and my peeps bias against alcohol. <laughs> Fast forward to when we shipped out over there. I was mad lonely. I was I was mad lonely, and you bet I turned to the bottle again. Mm, you bet. Landing in England, I hit up Winchester Cathedral, got all emotional, strolling <laughs> around outside when this random rhyme on an old tombstone caught my eye. Here lies a Hampshire Grin Grenadier? Grenadier. Grenadier who who met his fate sipping cold small beer. A good soldier never fades away, whether he Bites it by musket or by pot. Yes. A serious heads up. One that stupidly I ignored. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send that to GSL. Come on. Let's go. Send it. This Send is, it. Uh, this is what people... Hey, man. This is what people relate to it. now. It's a good job. Thank this you. Is oh, it. my yeah. pleasure. So, so, so those are the two readings. And, and if you remember the last time we did this, we did the 12 steps. This time we're going to do the 12 traditions. And I tell you, they're just as good, man. They're just as good. We need to start getting some synonyms because I'm I'm seeing some of the words here. They're going to be be reused. They're going to be reused again. Don't worry, Gabe. They're going to be reused. Yeah. So why don't we do this? I'm going to read the real the tradition and then you guys are going to go around and read the new ones, all right? So let's start with number 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Gabe, what do we got for the new modern version yep um tradition one our main vibe should be looking out for the crew personal recovery depends upon uh <laughs> depends on a unity bet yes. <laughs> gabe doesn't like the bet that at the end the words they throw in Me, he's offended know, it's like an exclamation mark <laughs> number two for our group purpose there's one one ultimate authority a loving god as he may express himself in our group conscience our leaders are but trust and servants they do not govern chris what do we got for number two Number two, for our cruise mission, there's just one top dog, <laughs> a loving force as it vibes in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted homies. <laughs> they ain't here to rule. <laughs> I mean, I love that they're they're calling God. There's just there's just one top dog. Top there's dog. one ultimate authority. There's one top dog. <laughs> Number three, the only requirement for a membership is desire to stop drinking. Carolyn, what do we got for? the rewritten third tradition. The only ticket to the AA squad is wanting to cut out the drinking. No cap. <laughs> okay. Preach. Hey, you know what I mean? Hey. Preach. Say less. <laughs> Say less. Say less. Say less. Number Say four, less. each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups as a whole. Gabe, okay, what do we got? Um, every click should do its thing except when it's me- it messes with the other crew <laughs> or A as a whole. Sus. <laughs> Dude, is what are we gangs? <laughs> are we running territory? That's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's so it. come on. I mean, it's so, so good. So good. Number five. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Chris, what do we got? Chat GBT version. 
number five, each squad has one major goal. Spread the word to the alcoholics still struggling. No need to get extra. No need to get extra. Yeah. Just, I like that. Yeah. No need to get extra, yeah. man. We're not out here. Yeah. We're trying not saving to, you whales. Know, we're not, yeah, we're not out here trying to change. Whales. Yeah, we're not saving whales. You're <laughs> <laughs> trying to change the world. Yeah. We're just saving yeah. it. We're just trying to help alcoholics. That's it. No extra. Number six, an A group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Carolyn, what do we got? An AA group should never co-sign, fund, or throw the AA name at any connected spot or outside hustle. Mm. Or we risk getting sidetracked by money, property, and boogie vibes. <laughs> boogie vibes. Boogie vibes. Boogie vibes are okay. Boogie yeah. vibes are okay. No, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Boogie. You know. I actually really yeah, like. It, it, it works either way. <laughs> I actually really like the A name at any connected spot or outside hustle. Yeah. They <laughs> know, man. Chachi know. knows. They know. All right. Number seven. A every A group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Simple one, Gabe. Seven. Every A squad should be stacking their own paper, <laughs> turning down outside handouts. I mean, yeah. That's real. Yeah. That's, that's real. real. Stack your own paper. Say less. Stack your own paper. <laughs> Number eight. Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Chris. Number eight. Alcoholics Anonymous should stay forever non pro, but our service hubs might hire some special talent. Sheesh. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> Number nine. A as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Carol, what do we got? Nine. AA as a crew shouldn't get too organized, but we can st- set up service boards or committees vibing straight with those they serve. Gotta be vibing straight with vibing the people straight. you serve. Yeah. That's, that's Gotta important. be in touch with the your group. Yeah. Right? That's your job. Yeah. Number ten. Alcoholics Anonymous has no no out has no opinion on outside issues hence the a name ought never be drawn into public controversy mm. gabe what do we got um 10 alcoholics anonymous stays out of the drama yes mm. the a name should never ca- get caught up in public cap that's what i'm talking about oh, about. oh yeah dude. it's you gotta stay, stay out, out of the public number 11 our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press radio and films chris Number 11, our PR move is all about attraction, not flexing. Don't Always flex. keep your personal selves on the low when it comes to the press, radio, and films. Flexing. Don't flex out there. Yeah. Don't flex. I don't think we're flexing here. I don't think we're flexing yeah. at all. I, I tell you what's flexing. These traditions are flexing. <laughs> all right. Last but not least, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Carolyn, what do we got? 12. Anonymity is the spiritual base of all our traditions, always reminding us to ride with principles over personalities. If you know, no, you, you know. know. Mm, yes. You know. If you know, you, you know. know. <laughs> Send it. Send I mean, it. look, GSO, you know where we're at. Yeah. TMATM Live. Come at Gmail. Dot com. We can, yep, yep, yep. We can, we can help you in any way to rewrite this book and put We're it in ready. more modern day slang for, uh, for the gen. What do you, Gabe? Gen what? Gen Z? I'm gen Z. Gen Z, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> oh man. Well, that that's all in good fun. I all think right. I think that was cool. Very cool. Yeah, Carolyn. Carolyn. 
thank you so much. My pleasure. It was a for total blast, guys. It's, there's never Loved enough it. time yeah. to, to go isn't. through everything. There's and so much. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll you we'll get great. you back. Thanks we'll get you back down pleasure. here to lead a meeting or something. Yeah. So much fun. You did great. What you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest and another episode of the meeting after the meeting. Have a good night.